Welcome back, Bible um, Bible reading warriors. I guess I should call you right, Bible Amen. reading warriors. That's good. <laughs> um, knowing that Bible reading is not easy, um, it takes discipline. Um, and this week we're going to finish uh, the Book of Romans, and we're in a little more harder section, I'd say, for Romans. Um, like we said last week, there are a lot of people who have written volumes and volumes just on single chapters of Romans. Um, so we're not going to be able to cover everything in the two weeks that we're going to uh, study through Romans, but at least you'll get your feet wet. At least you'll understand some of these uh, uh, doctrinal issues and what Paul's trying to do. Remember, last week we said that basically Romans is Paul's magnum opus. It's his complete work on everything we need to know about salvation, everything we need to know about um, doctrine and as far as how doctrine affects how we live. And we're going to get into that as we get into chapter 12, and we're understand that chapter 1 through 11 is all that doctrine, and then based upon what we know about Jesus and what He's done for us, it should cause us to live differently. And that's how chapter 12 introduces us. But today we've got to start at chapter 8, because that's where we left off last time. We got chapter 1 through 7, left with the struggle of sin in chapter 7, and so now we get to chapter 8, and one of those great verses, chapter 8, verse 1, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And I have in my Bible here, no condemnation, I have it highlighted and, and simply with the words, eternally secure. It means that because of what Christ has done, we have a home prepared for us in heaven, a place that we can go, and there is nothing um, <clears throat> is going to ever take us out of that. We're eternally secure in that position. Chapter 8 is a is a well-known chapter, Tim, yes. and I know you know that. Yes. Um, a lot of uh, good verses come from this. A lot of verses that people memorize uh, come from chapter 8. I mean, chapter 8, verse 28, all things work together. At the end, we are more than conquerors. Nothing separates from the love of God. Lots of good passages. But what's one in here in chapter 8 that might be your favorite? I'm just well, throwing I, this out here. I like verses. Like first verse? Verses 2 and 3. Verse 1, which yeah. goes with verses 2 and 3, but verse 1 gives us that judicial, that yeah. pronunciation, no condemnation. That's the pronouncement, you know, the legal, judicial, no condemnation. And then he says in verse number 2, there's a new law here, for the law of the Spirit of life mm, like in that. Christ. Yeah. has made me free from the law of sin and death. And then I love verse 3. This is the one I love. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through mm. the flesh, God did by sending his Son in the likeness of sinful flesh on account of sin. Mm. He condemned sin. In other words, he took that condemnation. He condemned sin in the flesh, that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled. And so that's a pretty great verse. And that righteous requirement of the law, I mean, when you look at that verse, I also have my Bible, I have these couple of verses highlighted as this was really the purpose of his incarnation, of Jesus coming to earth because he had to die as a man in a body, in flesh like this. And he did this so that he could meet the just requirement of the law, be fully right. and completely satisfied. Um, so, to me, that's a big deal as far as when you're talking about incarnation, Jesus coming. You know, we're a couple months away from Christmas time. Um, there's a reason why he came, um, and part of it, Paul's trying to explain here. Part of it, we find in other passages, like in Hebrews chapter two, and different passages like that. Um, but I like how, um, based on what Christ has done for us now. 
Uh, we still struggle with sin, but, but we have full and complete victory. And as a result of that, we should be living our lives um, on account of that because, I mean, this is, this is the Jesus who, this is the Spirit of God that now lives within us that raised Jesus from the grave, as it says in verse 11. Um, just as God raised Jesus from the dead, He will give life to us. And, of course, that's a resurrection hope that we have. There's just so many good verses here Some great in, stuff. in chapter 8. And, I mean, you know, we could spend the whole uh, podcast really going through chapter 8 with all the different verses that are here. Um, but I like, uh, I like several of them. And uh, there's a lot of good things in here. You go down to verse 18 of uh, chapter 8, um, talking about what we suffer now. And it's not compared to what um, yes. Christ suffered and what was going to happen. And I like how he, he makes a comparison here. I've got a comparison here in chapter 8, verse 6, 18 and verse 20. You know, we suffer now. We suffer much like the creation does. You know how it says the creation groans? It's kind of like we groan as well for our resurrected bodies, don't we? Just like creation groans for the curse to be lifted, in the same way we groan. And, 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 and then you get further on and talks about us praying, and sometimes we don't know what to pray. And same word, we groan to the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit takes our prayers and makes them acceptable. And so this idea of this, uh, and I didn't look up the word. I guess if I was a good Bible student, I'd look up the word, right? Uh, groan, that just idea of groan. I see that so many times in, in this chapter in 8, and it just shows you that you know we struggle today. Yeah. Even though Christ has won the victory, sin still dominates the world because of the sin-cursed world it's we live struggle. in. struggle, yes. And there's still a struggle with it. Yes. Um, and uh, I, I, I love those, those verses, verses 18 through 26. And, <laughs> And how the Holy Spirit helps us pray, because mm. there's there's times, you know, those severe, difficult mm. times in our life yeah. when we really don't even know how to pray. Uh, we're so hurt, so devastated, and the Holy Spirit makes that uh, that that petition for us. I love one word particular. I, I notice in verse nineteen, verse twenty. Verse 21, mm -hmm. verse 22, it talks about the whole creation. It talks about creation. It's, it's amazing to me that we have reduced the doctrine of creation to the book of Genesis because True. in the gospel, Jesus oh, yeah. talks about creation. New creation. Oh, created, the book yeah. of Revelation. Every New Testament book talks about creation. Yeah. And uh, I've been marking that in a special way in my Bible reading this time through. Yeah. Creation. God's all about a creation. And Paul so. says that a lot too when he talks yeah. about the deity of Christ and creation and Colossians as well. That's yeah. an interesting way to think about it. Yeah. Um, so a, a, as you think about chapter 8, of course, towards the end of the chapters, nothing can separate us from God's love. You know, based on what Christ has done for us, nothing can separate us from that. Um, and um, it goes on in chapter, or chapter 8, verse 38 and 39, some of the um, well-known verse, nothing can separate us from from the love of God, yes. and it lists the different things yes. there. Um, but then it begs the question, as Paul's kind of reasoning his argument through, okay, if Christ has done this for the world, for the Gentiles, for all people, then what about God's people? What about the people of Israel? And that's the subject of what Paul discusses in Romans 9, 10, and 11. It's almost as if Paul is kind of assuming that some people are going to have questions. Okay, Christ has done all of this. I got this. We have the victory, one in Christ. He is the Messiah. This is Jesus, and he's done all this for us. And so some people are probably asking the question, well, what about the nation of Israel? Well, what about them? Because as he starts out in chapter 9, he says, 
um, he talks about my my his heart is sorrowful because it's kind of explained that Israel just kind of missed it. They didn't get it. I mean, he talks about in verse 4, chapter 9, the people of Israel, the chosen ones, adopted to be God's children. God revealed His glory to them. Uh, he made His covenants with them, gave them His law, the privilege of worshiping Him. They received the promises. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, our ancestors, and Christ Himself was an Israelite. It talks about all these things that God gave to Israel. And it says that, has God failed, verse 6, to fulfill His promise? No, He has not. And He talks about the promise, and He talks about some of the things that God did through uh, when uh, Abraham and Isaac, excuse me, Abraham and Sarah had Isaac, and then Isaac and Jacob was chosen instead of Esau, and and you go through that, and some of those sections in there are difficult to understand. Um, yeah. and, and Israel's rejection yeah. helps us in this passage. God's purpose. Yeah, it, it's a it's a fulfilling of God's purpose, and those two words are really important when you mm. study these passages. Yeah, God has a plan for the nation of Israel, exactly. and he has a plan for you and I as Gentiles, and that is so, so Yeah, awesome. I, I was looking at the end, or I was trying to uh, find that section, but yeah, that's basically, because, you know, you look at the the uh, issue with Jacob and Esau, yeah. and if you read, go back and read about Esau, you feel so bad for him. Yeah. I mean, yeah, he sold his birthright, so that maybe wasn't the best thing to do in the world, right? <laughs> yeah. But then he comes back later to his father after he's been tricked by Jacob and says, don't you have any blessing for me? Yeah. And three times. And you just go away from the passage really emotionally distraught. You're like, man, Isaac doesn't have anything for, for Esau. <laughs> and you have to go back. Of course, Paul's kind of commenting on that. He's also saying that um, you know, Rebecca knew ahead of time that this was going to happen this way. God revealed it to her and said, Jacob's going to be the one that's chosen and not Esau. Yeah. He's going to be the one. And it's just showing us that you know, sometimes um, the way we think things would go is not the way that God has it planned. God's plan. God's plan is always is always <laughs> different. I mean, obviously Abraham thought that he knew God's plan, Abraham and Sarah, because Sarah said, "Hey Abraham, instead of waiting for yep. God's promise, why yes. don't you have a daughter through through uh, my handmaid Hagar?" Yeah. They have Ishmael, and of course, you know that messed up didn't mess up things because there's no mistakes in God's plan necessarily. But Abraham didn't wait. He said, "I have a better plan," and God said, "No, that's not the plan." Right. Your son from from Sarah, Isaac, will be the one. Amen. And so you look down through there and you say, well, why does God choose who he chooses? And we don't know. Yeah. Because obviously we can't work our way to better acceptance to God because yeah. that's by grace. And a lot of times some of the things we do, I wonder why we aren't punished more fully yeah. or more harshly. Mm. And God shows mercy to those whom he would show mercy to. Yes. Um, and... And I like the way it says at verse 30, kind of as he goes through this argument here, Paul does in chapter 9, verse 30, he says, what does this all mean? I like the way my translation says, what does this mean? It says, even though the Gentiles were not trying to follow God's standards, they were made right with God, and it was by faith. Yeah. And it says, but the people of Israel who tried so hard to get right with God by keeping the law never succeeded. Right. Why not? Because they were trying to get right with God by keeping the law instead of trusting in Him by faith. Yes. And they stumbled over the great rock. And God warned them about this. So, you know, Israel had everything they were supposed to have for faith. But what God used to kind of keep them away from sin, the law, they, they got the wrong perspective right. of it. They started yeah. to trust and in it. Israel's rejection, and, yeah. and, and then we see God's justice. Yeah. And, and yeah. as we, we back up here just a minute, 
uh, you know, he says, Moses says, I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy and have compassion. And I love the passage of Scripture that that deals with with Pharaoh. And a a lot of people just get so confused. Uh, Listen, guys. God is sovereign. God has a plan. And I promise you, God is not confused. Listen to what the Scripture says in verse number 17. For the Scripture says to Pharaoh, for this very purpose, I have raised you up. Why? That I may show my power in you Mm -hmm. and that my name be declared in all the earth. Therefore, he has mercy on whom he has mercy and uh, whom he wills, he, he hardens. And people get bent out of shape when it says yeah. that God hardened Pharaoh's heart. Yeah. Well, wait, stop and think about this. Number one, God prophesied that he would harden Pharaoh's heart. Yeah. So God, according to his word, did what he prophesied, yeah. and he hardened Pharaoh's heart. Number two is God wanted to fulfill ten plagues. <laughs> yep. You know, And stop and think. Man, if God would have performed one of those plagues on me, I would have wilted, you know? I would (laughs) have surrendered and given up. But God (laughs) wanted to perform 10 plagues, so he had to harden Pharaoh's heart so he could demonstrate and show his greatness to the nation of Israel. And you and I have all these awesome stories that are examples for us that we can apply to our life. Hey, God has a plan. You don't have to, you know... Uh, try to rationalize God or try to make excuses for God. God knows what he's doing. He's sovereign. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know? And that's why it continues there in verse 20. Yeah. It says, no, don't say that. Who are you, a mere human being, to argue with God? Yeah. Should the thing that was created say to the one who created it, why have you made me like this? When a potter makes jars out of clay, does he have the right to use the same lump of clay to make one jar yeah. for yes. decoration and the other for throwing in the garbage? <laughs> yeah, in the same way, even though God has the right to show his anger and his power, he is very patient. And those on whom his anger falls who are destined for destruction. He does this, and of course it shows the riches of his glory even to shine brighter on those to whom he has mercy for uh, and, and prepared in advance. Oh. And, and, and so, yeah. Prepared in advance. The, the whole idea that... <laughs> Sovereign God. You know, we're not trying to skirt the issue saying that um, yes. uh, away from it. We're just simply saying that, you know, God chooses to do things a certain way. And the more I understand that in Scripture, I'm okay with not knowing. I'm okay with not knowing all the answers. I don't have all the answers. We don't have all the answers. I'm okay with not knowing that I don't have all the answers and that I might not have all the answers by the time my life is up. I'm okay with that. But I'm still going to study. I'm still going to wonder. I'm still going to have questions. I'm still going to look into things and try to reason it out because that's what God gave us our brains and our minds to do. He wants us to ever study. And so, you know, why God chooses to do it this way, I don't know. Why God chose to send His Son into the world to die on the cross at the time in history when he did it, we don't know. It yeah. just doesn't say from Galatians. God just, always has a purpose. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he has a plan. Yeah. And you and I don't understand his nope. purpose and plan. It, it unfolds for us in this book, and that's why we encourage you to read it. And uh, that's why Jeremy calls you Bible warriors, that's because right. it, is a, it is a plan. I, I, I read this morning 
uh, the story of Joseph again mm, and yeah. how that at the close, what is it? The, is there 50 chapters, 51 yeah, chapters? 50 chapters. And, yeah, and it, it says, hey, his brothers after uh, their father died thought, oh, man, he, he's going to kill us gonna now, man. He's yeah. going to come back yeah. after us. And he said, guys, look, you meant it for evil, but, but God meant this thing for good. And you look at all those bad things that happened to Joseph in his life from Potiphar's wife yeah. being put in jail and all the different setbacks, yeah. it just goes right along with the unfolding plan of God for the nation of Israel. It was at that time that Pharaoh gave Joseph and his brothers the land of Goshen. Yep. When you get over to the 10 plagues, that's where the Israelites were and protected yep. from, from all those yep. plagues. And the land of Goshen was, was the best. Yeah. Just God has a plan. We yeah. we need to have faith, and, and that's the thing is that sometimes we just we want to see it all. Yeah, and we're not permitted to see it all, and we may not ever be permitted nope. to see it all. Our you mind know, couldn't handle it. We don't. You know, we go through struggles all the time, and we think, "Why in the world? That was such a horrible trial I went through. Why did I go through that?" You know what? You may never get the answer to yep. it. God may never reveal it to you. This side of glory, He's not required to. He doesn't have to. <laughs> it's that part of trusting. And that's a part of believing and kind of moving forward. I mean, he didn't reveal everything to his disciples, you know. I mean, it took him three and a half years to slowly kind of um, instruct his disciples. And even then, they didn't get everything. Even then, they didn't understand anything. How many times did he tell them about his death and resurrection, and, G- and they couldn't Jesus, understand it? It's Jesus there talking to him, like <laughs> yeah. right beside him, saying, oh, this is going to happen. And Peter's like, no, it's not. No, it's not. I mean, can you imagine that today, knowing all of what we know, we'd say, that's ridiculous, Right. Well, they didn't have all the information, the completed Word of God that we have today. We can say, okay, I understand that now. Sitting, if Jesus were here, you, okay, I got it. Yeah, I know, because I've read it. I, I get what's going to happen. <laughs> but Peter didn't know that. And so some of the, even the church, you know, the church was still kind of a mystery to the Old Testament prophets. They knew that God was going to bless the whole world somehow. They didn't know that God was going to do it through this vehicle or method called the church. They knew it was going to happen, because through Abraham, God says, I'm going to bless all nations through Abraham. But they didn't know it was going to be through the church. So even then, there's some mystery. Um, and you get into chapter 10, and you see Paul's heart here. You know, Paul's heart is, is, is for Israel to be saved. But I like what he says. And my translation says, they have misdirected, verse 2, misdirected zeal. That was their problem. Yep. They don't understand the way of making people right. And so refusing to accept God's way, they cling to their own way of getting right with God by trying to keep the law. That's the clearest explanation I can think of to help you understand that, you know, these religious yep. leaders and even the Old Testament, they used the law as a means. They thought it was an equation, okay? <laughs> you know, if I do this and I do this, then that equals I'm right with God, 100% justified with God. If I do these things, then, then that's what, you know. Yeah, what does he say in verse 4, though? Verse 4, um, it says, For Christ has already accomplished the purpose for which the law was given, and as a result, all who believe in him are made right with okay. God. And so in the New King James, it says, For Christ is the end yeah. of the law. I like that. For righteousness to everyone who believes. So the yeah. law ends. You know, there's an ending point here. Uh, and he, he kind of argues the rest of it, saying, Now listen, you know, salvation is for everyone. Verse 5 says, For Moses writes the law's way of making a person right with God requires obedience to all of its commands. But faith's way of getting right with God says, don't say in your heart who will go up to heaven, bring Christ down to earth, and don't say who will go down to the place of the dead, and he goes on and quotes some of the passages. And that message is the very message about faith we preach. 
And he goes into some classic verses. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord mm-hmm. and believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. And But everybody quotes that, but they miss verse 10. <laughs> it says, for it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God. Yep. And it's by confessing with your mouth that you are saved. And it says, Jew and Gentile are the same in this respect. They have the same Lord who gives generously to all. Everyone who calls upon the Lord will be saved. So again, Israel had that law which helped them to live a life that was, you know, set apart to God to help them follow better. Today we have the Holy Spirit who helps us follow Christ better or follow the Lord better. They didn't have that, so they had the law. I mean, not that the Holy Spirit didn't exist. The Holy Spirit's always existed. You get my point. But the fact that the law, I have to insert that, and everybody's like, oh, the Holy Spirit was in the Old Testament. He was there. He's always been there the whole time. But the law kind of functioned in the old, what the law of the Spirit does today, the Holy Spirit in our hearts today in the New Testament. Exactly. And they thought they could, they could trust in that you know, as a means. And, and, and Paul says, no, they, they couldn't. They couldn't at all. And so, you know, he wrestles through here with uh, um, this whole idea. And you get to chapter 11, says, I asked then, has God rejected his own people? Of course not. Paul says, I'm a descendant. I'm an Israelite. I'm a descendant. I'm from the tribe of Benjamin. God has not rejected his own people. He still has a plan for them. And then as you read through the rest of 11, you get into this idea of, well, what does God's plan look like? And he uses this metaphor of, a, of an olive tree, I think it is, or a vine, yeah. olive vine. Yeah. And it talks about um, how some of Israel didn't accept, some of Israel rejected. Um, and as a result, they're kind of uh, pulled off the vine, as it were. Um, but yet you have some Gentiles that have accepted the message of salvation. They're grafted in. They're part of that vine. And so there's a lot, trust me, there's a lot that's written Absolutely. about chapter 11 yes. about this. And we're not going to get into a lot of some of those, some yeah. of those details. And it's because of that rejection, Israel's yeah. rejection. I love what he says in verse, verse 11, that last, the yeah. last phrase. Because of this rejection, salvation has come to the Gentiles. Yeah. Now, if their fall, let's talk about Israel, yeah. is riches for the world, and their failure riches for the Gentiles, how much fullness. For I speak to you Gentiles, inasmuch as, he says, I am the yep. apostle yep. to the Gentiles. And so, yes, Israel's rejection opened the door for you and I as Gentiles. And, and, and you go to verse 28, because mine yes. says, many of the people of Israel are now enemies of God's, yep. of the good news, and this benefits you Gentiles. Yes. Yet, he says... They, Israel, are still the people he loves because he chose their ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. For God's gifts and his call can never be drawn. So God had a purpose in choosing the nation of Israel and choosing Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. We are benefited from God's choosing of Abraham to bless the entire world. So God's not going to get rid of Israel. He has a plan for Israel. Israel may have been, uh, as some people say, just set aside temporarily as the focus is on the Gentiles because the Gentiles want to receive the message of salvation. They're willing, their hearts are open while the Jewish hearts are closed. It's going to change in the future, you know, as you get into the book of Revelation and and the tribulation period, because the tribulation is really designed for the nation of Israel. It's the last week of Daniel's 70th week, and it's designed so that the nation of Israel will finally come to realize that Jesus is the Messiah. (laughs) And as he 
comes down to second coming, they will see him, and it says that all of Israel will believe. Yeah. And see, um, that's the whole story. Right. And when you look at the whole story, how how it unfolds in Scripture and how these pieces are put together, it's it's so incredible. Because uh, <laughs> they look at verse 33, oh, how great are God's riches and wisdom, like you're saying, the plan yeah. and knowledge, how impossible it is for us to understand his decisions and his ways. Yeah. Like you're saying, yeah, right. the whole plan. Yeah. I mean, think of where we were. Uh, you know, you get over into the epistles, and uh, b- before the gospel came to Cornelius, and before the gospel came to Samaria, and before the gospel came, it crossed over these geographical boundaries yep. and racial boundaries. Yep. Man, that was unheard of. Yeah. And the Jews, you know, they weren't all that excited about it. And one whole chapter is at Acts 15, they. They spend, the you know, the, the Council of yeah. Jerusalem, yeah. and they discuss this, and yeah. it was a huge controversy. Paul says we were without God, without hope, we were aliens, yeah. and it was through the blood of Christ, the death of the cross, that now Jew and Gentile have been brought into this one body, yeah. which we we call the church. Yeah. And this blew the Jewish mind, it blew their mind apart, because <laughs> They didn't understand this plan of God. And you and I are just learning this plan of God as it unfolds in Scripture and the beauty of Jew and Gentile being one. Yeah. And thank God for Messiah has come. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And they were trying, like you said in Acts 15, it's almost like they were trying to come together as one people. And you come to Acts 15, the council, and they said, yeah, we're one people, but it slowly still starts to spread apart. You know, it, it yeah. doesn't really come together as one people because Judaism still continues kind of on its own branch. And I think even until like yes. 90 AD or something when yes. it was officially separated from Christianity. And that was one of the things that Paul and they were trying to argue was, isn't Christianity just a part of Judaism? And they're like, no, 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 we don't even want to be considered <laughs> part of Judaism, right. no, separate. Or, or the Jews were like, no, 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 this is a Christian sect. This is another yeah. sect. This is not part of Judaism. <laughs> when it was meant to come together, but yet right. still following the law. Again, it was still about the law, the law, the law, yeah. the law. They said, you have to follow the law. And, and Christ said, no, I've come to complete the law. Yeah. And so again, many chances, but it seems like it's slowly pushed away and slowly, slowly rejected. Uh, although a lot of good things were accomplished, obviously, by yes. what Paul did. Yeah. Messiah and, has come. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and so, you know, in the end, God's ways are not easy to understand. But like we've said so many times, we've got to trust um, and some of these things are difficult to understand. Men spend decades of their lives studying these things. Yes. Decades. Yes. Yeah, I said that right. Decades, like 10-year slots of their <laughs> lives studying these things to understand these things and really come to grips with what it's saying. So if they spend decades on these things, then the time we spend on it, it doesn't mean to discourage you. I'm just saying that some people really like to dig into some of these things. Now, my opinion is that I don't think you should spend that much time on a Bible book. There are a lot of other books of the Bible. <laughs> you know, we want to spread out our time yes. you know, throughout all the Bible yes. and yes. not just focus on one. Get the whole be, story, the whole be, story, yeah. There might be familiar passages you like to like. Some people like to read the Psalms a lot, right. you know, places like that. But you got to read it all, which means right. even like Ezekiel, Jeremiah, Isaiah, some of those harder books, or those, some of those minor prophets, and you sit there scratching your head thinking, what in the world did I just read? Just keep reading. <laughs> just keep read reading. Again. Just yeah. keep reading. Or when you get to First Chronicles chapter 1, and you have yeah. to read all the genealogies through verse through chapter 9, the longest. Anyway, as a result of what's happened, Paul says he's given us doctrine. 
chapters 1 through 11. As a result of all of this, now he says in chapter 12, I plead with you. Some practical brothers, stuff. Some practical stuff. Yeah. Give your bodies to be a living sacrifice because of what he has done for you. Look at all of what Christ has done for you, how he's kept the nation of Israel as part of his plan. He's done all this for the Gentiles. As a result, the natural thing that you and I should want to do is want to serve him. Yep. Want to he find says ways it's your reasonable service. Your reasonable service. Serve, serve, serve. Yes. Yeah, I mean, because it says don't copy the behavior <laughs> and customs of this world, but let God transform your mind by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know what's God's will uh, and choose what is good and perfect. And then he goes on and gives a list of things that we should be doing, uh, practical things. Yeah, um, yeah. he says, you know, Romans uh, 12. This, this reasonable service. And then you go to verse 3. Man, he goes right into the serving, what we would call the serving gifts. Yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah. serve, yeah, serve. As a result, because we need those types of things. And I would encourage you to read through, uh, I like reading Romans 12 in different translations because the way that sometimes the old English does it, it doesn't really give you the effect that you're looking for. But like like I like what mine says in verse 9. I think this is funny. I'm reading from NLT chapter 12, verse 9. It says, don't just pretend to love others. (laughs) It says, really love him. It says, hate what is wrong, hold tightly to what is good. It really gets the effect there. He's yes. like, don't just pretend to do it. Really should do it. Yeah. Um, and he goes on, th- and, and you see in all of those passages, um, there's some clarity as to what we need to do. And so this is so, so practical. This is almost like a small section of uh, maybe like the Beatitudes, yeah. the Sermon on the Mount, right. or maybe the Book of James, yeah. some things that we need to do as far as now what Christ has done for us. This is general, and then he goes into verse chapter 13 into more specific as to yep. leadership and authority, and these are the things you should do for your leaders, to pray for them, to obey them, um, whether this is civil authority or yes. religious authority. Um, and you've got a few other things here, and as he kind of gets into Christian living, he kind of talks about this danger of your uh, weaker brother, and your stronger brother, and how if you've been a believer for a while, you need to be careful about offending the weaker brother and how all that. And by the way, in the context, don't miss this. In the context of Romans, and Romans, we just come from 9 through 11, the weaker brother is the Jewish person because the Jewish person is still trying to focus on the law. They're trying if to find Messiah. Yeah. If, yeah, if you're a Gentile <laughs> who really are not concerned about the law because it doesn't affect you, you can just do anything you want. Well, be careful about that behavior because you might offend your Jewish brother. <laughs> so the offense in this context is looking more at offending them. Of course, we can take that into context of just general nature of, you know, if you have a believer that you know who's just come out of some kind of uh, behavior um, you know, uh, you just have to be sensitive to them. Be careful around them. Um, don't cause them to stumble. I wouldn't want to be the person that later on somebody says, well, I saw him do it, so that's why I did it. Yeah. Knowing full well it was fine, whatever that might have been for me to do, but then they see me do it, and as a result of my example, which is fine for me because it's okay, it says so, but yet it causes them to yeah. fall and back. And he, he just kind of mm. sums the whole thing up in verse number 14. Uh, the way to keep from doing this, he <laughs> said, put on yeah. the Lord Jesus Christ. Don't make any provision for the yeah. flesh and the lust thereof. You know, put on the Lord Jesus Christ. That's a mouthful for you and I as a believer. And uh, 
I don't know how to pronounce it. Is is that the Greek word in duo, where we see it in Colossians about put on and put off, yeah, and the new word. new clothing that we have? Yeah, in mine Christ. says clothe. Mine says clothe yourself with yeah. the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ, and don't let yourself think about ways to indulge your evil desires. Yeah, um, that's the way just my like, translation says. Just it. like clothing, put on yeah. Christ. Look at all his attributes, his trade, you know, and he, he tells us that we shouldn't think more highly than we ought to think. Yeah. Uh, we ought to treat members of the body kindly and generous and, you know, cling to what is good and all these things and put on Christ. Yeah, because the opposite of what putting on Christ is is kind of in this context is is being selfish. Yeah. Oh. And as you go over to yes. chapter 15, it says, we who are strong must be considerate of those who are sensitive about things like this. We must not just please ourselves, a selfish attitude. We should help them do what is right and build them up in the Lord. So as you put on Christ, yeah. you're putting on this, this attitude of, of, of selflessness. Yes. Let this us attitude each, of, yeah, he says, let yeah. each of us please yep. his neighbor yep. for his good leading to edification. Yeah. That's, that's putting on Christ. You're exactly yeah. right. And, and good. And as it goes on, because that whole attitude, I mean, you think about what's the one thing that that really sums up what Christ did for us when he came, incarnation, died for us. It was all selfless. It was all a selfless act. There is nothing that he could have gained on his benefit for doing what he did yeah. for us. Completely unselfish. It, w- it was a selfless act and and and. What Paul is saying is that because of what Christ has done for you, you should have that same attitude of selflessness as well. And here's what it looks like in the church. Here's how to work it out, whether it's in relation to authority or God's commands or our serving in the church or stumbling, you know, weaker and stronger brother, you know, don't be selfish. Say, oh, my desires are okay. You know, I can do what I want to do because it doesn't bother me. Well, yeah, but it could be hurting someone else. It says have this selfless attitude as it goes on. And uh, um, verse three sums it up. He says, "For yeah. even Christ did not please himself." Exactly. You know? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so, <laughs> as you read through the rest of that, you get the idea in chapter fifteen. And of course, the last part of fifteen and kind of into sixteen, some final instructions. But the last part of fifteen um, talks about why Paul is writing, um, and kind of his goal and what he's hoping to do. He's kind of hoping to visit this church because he never gets a chance to visit this church that we know of. His plan is when he heads to Spain that he's going to drop by this church, but he's got to go to Jerusalem first. And what we know from Acts, he goes to Jerusalem and he gets in prison and he never gets the opportunity to fulfill his plans. Um, some people think that Paul still did go and visit Spain because um, he says, I'm planning to go to Spain. I mean, he says that in verse 24 of chapter 15. He says, I'm planning to go to Spain, and when I do this, I will stop off in Rome. And after I've enjoyed fellowship a little while, you can provide for my journey. But before I come, I must go to Jerusalem, he says in verse 25, and take a gift to the believers. Well, he never comes back. <laughs> he gets imprisoned in Jerusalem and never reaches this church. So thankfully, he knew at least enough ahead of time to get this letter to them because think about that. If he decided never to write this letter until he got to Jerusalem, then we may never have it in the first place. Yeah. And think of all the benefit the Romans has been to believers countless through the ages. 
as they've studied the Word yes. of God. And what Romans teaches you more than anything else, I think that, I mean, you look, Paul spent the majority of his book on the doctrine of Christ, on who Jesus is and what he's done for us. I mean, doctrine, 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 it's heavy with doctrine. But doctrine, theology should always lead to practical living. And that's what the rest of the chapters in 12 through 16 are all about. Based upon what Jesus has done, we need to live accordingly, and we need to live differently. And he talks about all of his friends here, finding his final instructions. You know, the end of Romans is kind of a more lengthy uh, greeting and saying goodbye. Sometimes he's like, okay, I'm signing off, goodbye, and he's done. Yeah. He says, greet such and such for me, tell them I said hello, and bye, he's gone. But this is really a lengthy thing saying these are names my plans. Names all these people. Names and... all these people, and we don't have time <laughs> to talk about all those. You can study through all those. But it just goes to show you that, you know, Paul is not a one-man missionary team. Paul has a lot of people helping him, yeah. a lot of people helping him. And, and so it is with the church. Yes. You know, there are a lot of people that help the church mm-hmm. go around, we'll say. Um, well, my timer just clicked off as to being done, so I think we're done for, for the <laughs> session. So I think that kind of ended it just right. <laughs> so that's all the time we have um, for this week, for the end of Romans. And these last two weeks, you've read through Romans. Uh, again, if you have any questions, send them to BibleReading at LMBC.org, and we'll be happy to answer them. Uh, looking forward in the future, because now we're going to start slowly reading through all 150 Psalms. Ooh. All 150, between um, the end of November uh, in all the way to like the first couple of weeks of December. And then those last couple of weeks of December, December we'll focus on reading you know, prophecies related to Jesus, uh, the birth, and, and different things like that that lead up to Christ, uh, part of that reading. So that's what's kind of what's coming ahead. Uh, stay uh, in connect with the Connect magazine or lmbc.org slash rooted. Go there to the website to get more information. Um, so that's Have all a great day. <laughs> that's all we got for today. We'll see you next time. Bye.